Hello and welcome to Hamilton Wealth Partners, podcast number 55 for April 2021. I'm Will Hamilton and I'm joined by John Green and Kane Baranow. One of the things that we do every quarter is we look at how we had positioned portfolios for the quarter that's just completed, but also, more importantly, how we've positioned these portfolios going forward. 2020 start, started the year and the quarter with risk-based assets yeah, very, very strong and therefore basically starting off where they finished in 2020. One of the things that concerned us was the level of complacency that existed in equity markets. And to be honest, we're relieved to see that air's come out of the tyres in some of these markets. Some of this air coming out of the tyres is definitely in technology or the new economy companies where rotation from growth to values occurred. The old economy companies have been buoyed by the vaccine rollout and that's been globally and the eventual opening up of economies. We can see the logic of the growth to value rotation, but we do believe that equity investing is about investing for growth. You don't buy something just because it's cheap. It can be a bad company, but cheap. That's not the logic we we believe in. Cash flow and sustainability of earnings to accompany that growth is very, very important. The other major event of the quarter has been the presidency of Joe Biden. With this has come a US dollar 1.9 trillion stimulus bill. It's remarkable by its size and just to think that we're talking about numbers like this, coinciding with a largely successful rollout of the vaccine in the United States and with that, the declining virus numbers. Many commentators are predicting that the size of the US stimulus is going to add 1% alone to global GDP. Many commentators are also forecasting the US with GDP growth in excess of 6% for both 2021 and 2022. Capital economics, for instance, is forecasting 6.5% this year alone. One of our conviction calls for 2021, as many people would know, has been emerging market equities. That's based primarily on emerging Asia, dominated by China. And we have seen Chinese uh, equities, they started off the the year very strongly, um, but in the last six weeks, it's definitely experienced a reversal of fortune. The Chinese suppressed the virus early and as a result, their economy has been a highlight. Domestic demand surpassing not only its pre-virus GDP levels, but it's also its trend GDP growth, which is, that is just remarkable. Also in March, you saw the Chinese National People's Congress direct that support for the domestic economy will be withdrawn over the rest of 2021. As a result, capital economics expects China to be an outlier for its growth rate to slow, even as growth is accelerating in other parts of the world. China was ahead of the world in going hard and early on both the shutdowns, the stimulus, it's paid off, but the challenge now for them is how to manage the withdrawal of this support. Interestingly, both China's stimulus and now its withdrawal has been ahead of other nations. So Kane, why don't you tell us your view on equities and what's happened there. Yeah, sure, Will. So before I speak about each major uh, equity class, I'll just give a brief summary um, on what we've seen over the last 12 years. Using the S&P 500 index as an example, this index has just capped off its best 12 months performance in history with a trough to peak return of over 70%. Um, So this return, it outstrips all others over over a 12 month period, except that which followed the uh, the great stock market crash of 1929, and that was prior to the creation of the S&P 500 index in 1957. So domestically, equities, they've rebounded over the last quarter, much like their international peers, although at a slower 
a slower rate. So that's over the last 12 months. So um, the reason for that is due to our market composition. So also the, the levels of liquidity domestically compared to um, offshore markets and also the policy response that we're seeing from the RBA. So our market is more of what's known as a value style market. It's got larger amounts of old economy type companies in it and it's overweight um, on a global scale in areas such as materials and financials and it's heavily underweight technology. So this composition has held domestic equities back on a 12 month basis. However, it has supported our market since the beginning of this year as rising bond yields led to the underperformance of longer duration companies, which are more heavily concentrated in these technology names. So we increased our tactical overweight position slightly during quarter one to reflect this. And we see more value in the larger cap companies as we head into quarter two. Um, currency movements have partially contributed to develop market equity volatility over the previous quarter and year. So the Australian dollar hit an intraday high above 80 cents during the quarter, although it has since fallen back to the low 70 since 76 cent levels. Uh, whilst we see the Australian dollar possibly heading higher on a short term tactical basis, we view it as slightly overvalued on a longer term strategic basis. Indeed, capital economics now see a stronger US dollar over the next few years as the US economy outperforms and its policy mix diverges from most other major economies. Our marginal underweight position in developed markets has been concentrated in the US and we have seen more opportunities in other developed market regions outside of the US, so in particularly Europe and Japan. So notwithstanding the recent weakness in mainland China that we'll mention just before, we've continued to hold our overweight position in emerging market equities with a view that Asian economies have handled the pandemic well and have kept a significantly large level of fiscal and monetary firepower um, at hand that in comparison to developed market peers. By way of comparison, the US has announced fiscal packages exceeding 25% of GDP, which compares to uh, China and South Korea, which is under 5%. This provides ample policy levers and a strong backdrop for emerging market equities as we move forward. Um, and, and we're favoring managers with most exposure to China and Southeast Asia and minimal exposure to Latin America, Eastern Europe, where we think the recovery, recovery will be more difficult. And Kane, uh, property, we've got both uh, REITs and direct property. so. Can you give us a few? Yeah, on that? firstly on REITs. Um, so they've drifted, they've mostly drifted sideways over quarter one. We did see a really strong rebound in quarter four, 2020. This is domestically, and that was on the back of the reopening that we saw in, in our economy. Um, so the sector as a whole uh, still trades on an average discount of about 10% to the broader equity market. And we're talking about listed REITs here. So the yield spread on offer above bonds has actually increased to 6.3% from 5.4% last year. So the reason for that is that rents have started picking up and this, this pickup has been above the rise that we've seen in bond yields over the last few months. Um, on a subsector level, the performance continues to vary markedly. So we've seen a strong rotation out of better performing and more growth orientated REITs such as industrial assets and, and more into more value style REITs 
and those sectors that have received help from the government stimulus and incentives such as residential property. Um, the office market continues to display elevated levels of vacancies, um, lower rents and higher incentives, although we are starting to see those first uh, few green shoots um, start to appear with, with office space beginning to be snapped up. As firms, are, um, in my opinion, are coming to terms with managing productivity and the cultural implications of working from home arrangements. We've continued to evaluate several unlisted deals, but we've been very selective as we're cautious with respect to valuations, given the strong chase we're seeing for yield at the moment, which is supporting the sector. And finally, from you, Kane, what about alts um, or alternative assets? Yeah, so we, we um, there's a few different asset classes that I'll talk about here. So non-traditional alternative assets have kept their tactical overweight throughout 2020 and into quarter one, 2021. So areas such as agriculture um, have received uh, quite a bit of help from the lower funding costs that, that are out in the market at the moment. Also strong production volumes, favorable income streams and lower input costs with water prices softening significantly following all the rainfall we're seeing. So that is one area which, um, you know, which is performing well and we're seeing as being supported going forward. Unlisted infrastructure and private equity, they're two other um, prominent alternative buckets. Um, they've provided very uh, strong downside protection in 2020 relative to their listed counterparts. And we're beginning to see asset revaluations to the upside occur, especially within private, the private equity space as transactions uh, begin to heat up and the, the private market discount that we're seeing to public markets um, is starting to get realised. Thanks, Kane. John Green, over to you. Diversified credit to kick off. One of my favourite areas, diversified credit. Thanks, Will. Um, diversified credit includes a wide risk spectrum of assets from high risk areas, including stressed and distressed credit, all the way to more de defensive senior secured AAA rated corporate debt. Stressed and distressed debt markets contracted significantly early last year, although they have rebounded strongly since. Private markets have offered a good avenue for capital deployment during the first quarter of this year, as unlike their listed counterparts, private businesses under stress have found it more challenging to gain reasonable funding and, sp and spreads have not tightened to the extent seen in listed markets. Unlisted private real estate debt is an area we've written extensively on over the last few quarters, and we remain uneasy about the large number of new entrants to the market looking to take advantage of the income demands of investors. Most of these new entrants do not come from lending backgrounds, have never experienced a workout situation, and are offering terms that are, are inferior to incumbent operators. Whilst we continue to support seasoned operators in this part of the market, we have reduced our exposure on a tactical basis. Uh, with respect to fixed income and cash, this, there's been a fair bit of excitement in this area in quarter one. Um, the sell-off in longer-term Treasury bonds, which commenced in mid-2020, accelerated again in the first quarter of this year. US 10-year Treasury yields peaking at 1.75% and Australian 10-year Treasury yields peaking a little higher at 1.8%. This is a very large move and Australian 10-year Treasuries have lost 4% since November last year, although they have recovered a little over the last few weeks. The yield curve also steepened markedly, the two-year 10-year spread touching at 180 basis points. 
which is as wide as it has been historically, with the exception of 1994 when it hit 200 basis points. The market's inflation expectations have clearly risen as the vaccine rollout and GDP growth expectations have exceeded forecasts. Central banks, however, remain unmoved, both the RBA and the Federal Reserve restating that they have no intention to tighten monetary policy conditions for a number of years yet. We do believe the central banks, but you can't argue with the market. Long-term bond yields will remain volatile and continue to trend higher. We see no value in having any significant bond duration in our portfolios and continue to favour conservative managers with short duration. Overall, we're slightly underweight fixed income and we are holding minimal balances in client cash accounts where returns are zero. Thank you, John. Thanks also, well, both of you, John and Kane. So look, in summary, um, when you look at our uh, insight number 96, uh, you'll see our asset allocation chart on that or table. Um, and just remember that's tactical asset allocation, which is the short term as a, in looking at that relative to the long term strategic asset allocation. So just in summary, we're moderately overweight Australian equities, uh, marginally underweight developed market equities. That's primarily in the United States, as Kane mentioned. Uh, with a bias more towards Europe, the UK and Japan. Emerging market equities, we are overweight. Private equity growth alts, we're looking at a marginal overweight. Property, a marginal overweight. Diversified credit and infrastructure on both of those, we're neutral. And underweight, both secure debt and cash. So look, um, I think the summary in this is, as you can see, is we are continuing to favour risk-based assets over defensive assets. Um, interest rates will remain the market's focus, and this is what's going to determine where things go. We envisage uh, longer-term bond yields continuing to trend higher, but it's all relative, and I think that's what you've got to look at. Central banks have made it clear that short-term rates will continue at a lower for longer level. So the combination of central bank stimulus, lower interest rates, this means investors need to be overweight risk-based assets. Be conservative though in your asset selection within these asset classes. And I think that's the one thing I really want to ring a bell on. We're starting to see in some of these asset classes, some things that worry us. So if something seems to be too good to be true, look at it as being it is. Volatility will continue to remain a key theme for 2021, as we've mentioned quite some time. Ensure you've got a strategy, stick to it. We're confident that an appropriate allocation across risk-based assets um, that's going to serve your portfolio as well. Remember, though, that markets never go up in a straight line. This will never be truer than in the year ahead. I'm Will Hamilton. If you've got any queries, please don't hesitate to contact either myself, John Green, Kane Barano on Melbourne 9275 8888. Thanks a lot for listening.